Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is David Brazil, CEO and president of RBN Energy, which is a company that strives to be the most engaging and pertinent source of energy market information. Welcome to the show, David. Birgit, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's definitely my pleasure. Through my clients over the years, I've heard a lot about Rusty, which I know is the founder and your dad. And I'm very curious to know how in the world have you been able to succeed him successfully? It's He leaves some really, really big shoes to fill. The key that I've had to strive for and what I've really learned from him is this sort of self-discipline and work ethic. So in general, I think it's important to for any business leader to have that self-discipline to sit down and, and teach yourself every day the new things that are coming as part of this business that we're in, energy especially is constantly changing. So he really taught me how to do that. And just staying on top of it every single day has been really amazing. And being able to learn from him, just having him as a mentor has been a tremendous opportunity for me. So I'd be crazy if I didn't make the most of that opportunity. Mm, So it sounds like you're a learner. And at the same time, I feel like you're being a little humble in your answer because first of all, RBN stands for Rusty Brazil's Network. And uh, so it's double hard to succeed someone with the founder and the name like that. And I happen to know that your earlier career, so to speak, you were in finance. And then at this company, you you started it as director of finance, then became COO, then president and CEO. So what is your formula in terms of your own progression career-wise and overcoming what I can only imagine must be tough with people saying, oh, you're just getting promoted because you're dad. Yeah. So overcoming that sort of stigma of nepotism is difficult, right? It first comes with an acknowledgement of that it exists. And Mm. basically from there, meeting it head on. For me personally, again, it falls within that broader category of self-discipline of knowing that I've got big shoes to fill, recognizing the standard that he's set over the last 40 years of his career, which that's just an insurmountable amount of experience that he's accumulated over that time. But then having the guts to make that hard decision personally, what do I need to do to fill his role? And it requires whole, whole, whole lot of hard work to to even begin to try to live up to the standard that he's set because our, our customers and our employees won't accept anything less. The thing for me has been just having the guts to make those hard decisions in work and in personal life of knowing what has to be done, but then saying, all right, this decision might cause discomfort, whether it's staying up all night to write the next blog that's you know key to our growth as a company or making a decision that's going to either cause family conflict or conflict within the workplace, but ripping off that band-aid and having the self-discipline to, to make those hard decisions is really what's helped me step into that role. And he's been a good example for that. And- what way? He has always been extremely straightforward. Plain talking is something we value strongly at this company. You will see it in what we do in our blogs. You see it with what we do in our consulting practice that we don't try to sugarcoat or beat around the bush. If there is a hard discussion that has to be had, 
we like to have it. If our, if our clients have a project that we don't think makes sense, we'll tell them straight up, look, your project is not the best. And we'll say it in a nice way and we'll back it up with firm analysis, but we don't ever shy away from the truth. Yeah. In fact, I thought it was interesting that in the people leadership industry, so to speak, I'm known as the human x-ray who discovers leadership blind spots and lightning speed. But I've understood that you're referred to as the people who discover blind spots in the energy industry when it comes to your consulting practice. Absolutely. The type of business we are in is filled with really, really intelligent people who have a tremendous amount of experience in getting deals done. And what they thrive on is knowing things that other people don't know. There's a tremendous amount of an imbalance of information within our industry for people who know a specific sector. So our core strength really is looking at individual projects, whether it's upstream, midstream, and downstream, and helping our clients understand what the gotchas are in that deal. So for example, we work a lot on looking at markets. So for example, does a pipeline have enough gas that's going to flow in it over the next 10 years? Well, you have to know a lot of stuff to be able to answer a question like that. And some of it's publicly available. Some of it you can get based on assumptions, but a lot of it is based on experience by having people who know fundamentally how that particular asset works. And then having the experience of having done this frequently enough that you can call out the inefficiencies or the potential pitfalls in either the upstream or downstream of the market that somebody who's coming to this asset with fresh eyes might not necessarily have seen. And for our clients, that's invaluable because the last thing you ever want to do is spend money or, or invest in a piece of infrastructure and then find out that you missed some crucial thing that causes you to lose money long-term. And how many of your clients do you think had the blind spot when it came to renewable energy analytics? Because that's something that you added. Well, a lot. And blind spot might not be the perfect way to characterize that one so much as a hesitancy to realize the writing on the wall. And it took a while for this to develop over time. So we've we've been touting this for about the last 18 months. We've been noticing it for the last two years that our our clients have really said they have to know what's going on with environmental issues to be able to justify particular projects. And that theme really built throughout the last 24 months to the point where 12 months ago, we decided, all right, this is nothing that we can ignore. It's too big of a deal. Our clients have to know what's going on with hydrogen markets and carbon capture markets and renewable diesel. So we at RBN need to get our act together because it's no longer good enough just to worry about oil and gas and NGLs because there's a new sheriff in town, basically. There's going to be these new regulations coming from the infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better Act and this conference in Glasgow. And it's all going to have a really profound effect on the energy industry. And if you're not a aware of what's going on, your company is going to become a dinosaur. Yeah. So is is that an example of a decision that you made to add those analytics? Or what is an example where perhaps you and your dad disagreed and you were able to work through it? So the, the renewable energy analytics has been a sort of growing area of interest for us over time. Having been in the industry for 40 years, he's used to the way things have happened. But with the shale revolution, the entire oil and gas industry has been turned on his head. So he's had to relearn a lot of the stuff that he's gotten used to, right? There are certain ratios, certain ways the markets used to work that just fundamentally don't work anymore. So it can 
take a while to get him over the hump to say that, hey, I know you've never had to pay attention to renewables. Wind has always been a very, very minor piece of the puzzle and solar still doesn't make a dent in all the power generation that we get from gas and coal and, and all of these other hydrocarbon-based sources, but it's getting bigger. And that is a trend that's accelerating, not decelerating. So it was a little bit of an effort to get him over that hump that things were different this time. Because we've we've talked about renewable energy in the past as, as a country and as an industry, but it's always been at times energy insecurity when oil prices were high and people were saying, gosh, we got to get off this OPEC oil. We don't have enough U.S. oil, how can we possibly help ourselves? Well, let's try and do some renewable energy alternatives. This time was different, right? We had all the oil and gas that we could possibly handle in the U.S. and we had it at super cheap prices and still people wanted to make the shift to renewable energy. So that's that's a real sort of tidal change within our industry that we've never seen before. And it caught some people off guard. And you were the driver of continuing that conversation and providing the analytics? Yeah. Yep. So I think another secret sauce you have is your analytical skills. You can spot things under various conditions. And I know you're known as a thought leader in the industry as well, and, and you've spoken at several conferences. But of course, now I have to ask, as a leader, did you struggle with anything in terms of hiring or hiring people or? Oh, absolutely. Probably the biggest thing that I struggled with because of, I consider myself relatively talented as an analyst and having grown up with Rusty's tutelage, I have a very high personal standard. Don't let anything go out the door without a certain level of quality and insight. And I can't let anything go from RBN under David Brazil that would not have gone out under his guidance. So that's a really high, high bar to hit. And it's also always been really hard for me to trust others to meet that standard. So if there's there's been one problem I've had to deal with, it's difficulty in delegating those tasks because it's often easier just to do it myself, trust my own intuition and experience rather than go through the process of defining what the problem is, laying it out for somebody else, and then going back on the back end to provide some constructive criticism and review everything that's happened. So it caused me over time to really dig a big hole for myself in terms of all of the tasks and things that I had to do just to be able to complete that process on my own. So I, I ended up digging myself a big hole, but first rule of digging holes is if, if you find yourself at the bottom, you've just got to stop digging. It, it's not always that easy when you're trying to grow a business. Instead, rather than stop digging, the, the better option is to sort of rise up, get out of that hole. And so the only way to do that is to actually get good at delegating things. So so David, what was the aha moment where you're like, I cannot continue this way? Lack of sleep, getting to the <laughs> yes. point where we were having so many projects and speaking engagements that I was, I was literally not sleeping as much as I should. And then I'd have a long list of morning tasks I had to complete in the morning before I even started doing my sort of you know professional growth, reading through all the things I needed to do, then a day full of meetings. And then I could actually get to the things that I was supposed to do that night. It, it was, it was an unmanageable load of work. And until I actually got good at delegating some of that, it was, it was really, really draining for me. And while you're still married and have, you've got four children, so you must've figured out how to do that. It's, it's a work in progress as my wife would tell you, but <laughs> we are slowly getting there. I don't think any person who's leading a business, there's never the moment where you, you sit on the beach and, and other people are doing things for you and you just kind of sit my ties and let things go. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a constant 
interactive battle to push things off off your plate and onto somebody else's and also maintain that high standard, but I'm getting better at it. Great. Well, thanks for sharing that. I'm sure many leaders can relate. So as we start to wrap up the show, lots of leaders have been through a crisis recently. Do you have any tip or two that you can share in terms of how you've made it through crisis or any recommendations you have? Yeah, I've always really benefited from just being as straightforward and confronting problems as head-on as possible. I've always found that the avoidance of conflict is often worse than the problem that you're trying to solve itself. That's just because there's never really a good time to confront problems. You get really good at procrastinating as soon as you see something unpleasant that you have to do, but you end up spending a whole lot of time just building up in your mind something that ends up becoming this insurmountable obstacle. So just hitting it straight up, going straight at your problem is always the best avenue. An example I can think of that I've had to deal with a lot is just personnel issues. So if you have that person that for whatever reason begins to have issues and you don't address it right away, that either at best is a sign to others that you're going to ignore that bad behavior or at worst is a sort of tacit endorsement of the bad behavior. But either way, it just festers if you don't treat it straight up and confront the problem. Yeah, I think you could just save leaders a lot of time if uh, if they listen to what you just said for sure. (laughs) I would have saved myself a lot of time if I'd have listened to that about 10 years ago. I appreciate your confessions. And (laughs) and I know you're also saving a lot of leaders in the energy industry time by making better decisions quicker by all the information you provide and all the analytics you do. So if anyone wants to know more about you or understand more about the energy industry, I know they can go to rbnenergy.com. And you guys are also very generous because a lot of what you provide is free of charge. So thank you again for sharing some of your experiences in terms of succession and some of your struggles as a leader. May you continue to succeed. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you and love the podcast, Birgit.